0: Do we like movies? I'm your host, Angel, and I'm your
1: devilish Pazuzu host. Pazuzu. Ah, fuck. (laughs) I'm (laughs) Javi, and uh, we are back in Exorcist Land. So, some of you may remember way back when, earlier this year, one of our uh, earlier reviews was actually Exorcist 2 The Heretic. Oh my god. And I just love... In some ways, I wish we could have watched these movies back-to-back because we would have just seen such a massive drop-off in quality. Do we you like The Exorcist? <laughs> but I kind of really do like the fact that we've taken this amount of time between these two films to review them because i got to go ahead and ask you, what's your experience with The Exorcist? Oh, my God. not. I think I talked about it on The Exorcist 2
0: where I think it was just one of those movies I would catch on TV, but I would never catch the whole thing. And, you know, like I was telling you, there was that re-release that happened in in the early aughts. Remember that story that yeah. you ruined? Remember? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> but yeah, like, my experience was my parents talking about how they went on a date to go watch The Exorcist, but they'd seen it, like, 20 years before. <laughs> so, honestly, like, yeah, it's much of the same, like... I rem- I think what really piqued my interest in this movie was when I was a kid and hearing about the infamous spider walk scene,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm like, that can't possibly be that scary. People are making it out to be super terrifying, and finally I got to see a clip of it, and I was like, I'm going to sleep with a gun, bro.
1: It's <laughs> <That's> fucking <laughs> weird. All right, so just for uh, just to clarify, the version that we watched of this film is the original cut of The Exorcist. It Mm -hmm. is not the 2000s cut. So I used to have the, what they called it, the version you've never seen. I used to have that version on DVD. Yep, where you got to see full Penny
0: cross into Vagine. I don't think I ever saw that. Nah, I I made that (laughs) up.
1: I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. But what that movie did do is that uh, it showed you that uh, Pazuzu mime face more often.
0: (laughs) Pazuzu!
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, um... And I think the other difference is, yeah, of course, they, they added the Spider-Walk scene into it. And the ending of that film is actually uh, different from the ending of this film. From yeah. the, the one... Of the original cut.
0: Well, then, you should talk about it when we get to the end. Because yes. I'm actually really intrigued, but I don't want you to, like, yeah, spoil absolutely. it. Yeah, because uh, clearly, between the two of us, just adds up, Angel is the resident exorcist... Um, Fan?
1: Expert? The he's a sexorcist, if you will. I'm okay. I'm not an expert at anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not an exorcism expert. <laughs> I, I'm just a guy who's seen this movie. at I mean, times. also
0: to be fair, between the two of us, I think I'm way more cl- qualified to be a exorcist than you.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Javi thinks that because he's a uh, an ordained an or- minister, <laughs> that it means that he can actually give people exorcisms now.
0: Yeah, I'm a minister with the unite. Yeah, oh, fuck, I forgot the. Name. In my church The Universal Life Ministries Put some respect on me
1: The Church of Pazuzu
0: So if anyone needs an exorcism
1: Or marriage Or a bar mitzvah Or a bat mitzvah I like, I, I like to do group packages Where I put your exorcism With your wedding So make sure you you know Start playing with Ouija boards now um, Yeah so this movie Obviously uh, when we did our exorcist 2 Uh Review I talked about my experience with it It scared the shit out of me And I was a <laughs> <laughs> I was a young Spoiler teenager. alert I shit myself <laughs> <laughs> Um Of course I've seen it much more as an adult Actually when I was a Teenager I was when I also First read the novel For the first time <laughs> Fucking nerd And I've read the book In the last couple years actually So By Blatty William Blatty William Peter Blatty Yeah So, and the, so wait The
0: director is William Friedkin Yes And The author is William Blatty Yes Alright, I'm gonna confuse those a lot in this show, just to heads up.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it, it's. You'll correct me. You could just say Freakin' and Blatty. How about that? That's how you could separate the two. Nah, fuck you, I committed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, again, this is another movie that we've, uh, you know, from the 70s. That we're covering, have we? Yeah, Exorcist 2 We covered from the seventies. We covered
0: well, Halloween. Halloween. We covered Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, a lot, man. The seventies is the decade of horror. Like, honestly. okay, I
1: have one that I wanted that I want to. I was originally gonna suggest it off mic, but and obviously we're not gonna make any decision about when we're gonna nah. Hold it. us to
0: it. Make us <laughs> man of our words. But one
1: I really want to review right now because I've been listening to another podcast, which is like one of those true crime podcasts mm-hmm. uh, where they talk about the Watergate, uh, the Watergate uh, scandal. You wanna watch
0: Nixon? Nixon? No, tries. no, 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 no.
1: But the but the reason why I want uh, the reason why I want to suggest this movie is because. They say that Zodiac is very much just a modern version of this film, All the President's Men, mm. which is uh it's the it's the movie starring uh, Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, I think, where they it was like the news agency that like that the newspaper that that uh, blew the lid off the Watergate scandal. Oh no shit! So that, that actually
0: sounds kind of interesting. So
1: I really yeah. At some point in November, December, we should probably check that movie out. I've actually never seen it. Mm -hmm. So it would be an awesome fucking opportunity for both of us to watch something we haven't seen before. And it's also just considered one of the best films of all time.
0: Alright, don't suck its dick or anything yet, you know. Well,
1: I haven't seen it yet, right? But if you're going to tell me that it's like Zodiac, which I think is maybe my favorite movie that we've ever reviewed off this show, Mm -hmm. I I have to be interested.
0: Nah, my favorite one is still (laughs) Tokyo Drift.
1: (laughs) But the reason why, why, why I kind of bring that up a little bit is because, you know, it, it's nice to have an appre... Like, I... I 70s cinema is my favorite. Everyone... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, The Godfathers is my favorite movie of all time. Exorcist is now creeped its way into my top 10 favorite movies of all really, time. Really? I always thought it was there. <clears throat> no. But it is now. <laughs> and, uh... It oh. really... It really is kind of like that... You know, it's a horror movie that transcends, uh... That I think transcends the genre. Um... I think if where you it watch, becomes
0: kind of a who done it and then like there's a lot of
1: It's just medical style. horror it, Well it's the style, right? The style of it is just uh completely it's completely perfect to me. Like because even if you watch a movie as recent as Joker, which just came out this year, Oh yeah. There is there are the steps in New York that, that are featured in that film that Oh the boogie down <laughs> which, you know, it's the way that they're shot where it's like I feel like even that is almost a reference to Exorcist. Maybe su- conscious or subconscious. But it's like the fact that you're looking at this like overwhelmingly tall uh, steps in front of you that take you from one side of the street to another. It's just... it's There's something foreboding about it that that, uh, that I think this film captures you know this movie is dark it's it, and it always feels like there's something creeping in the shadows
0: and there's like a film of weird grime like it's got a 70s grime to it yes like I didn't grow up there obviously but you know if cinema teaches me anything it's that the 70s was a really dirty filthy time yeah. like there was just dust everywhere <laughs>
1: no one was cleaning um, Interestingly enough, the movie kicks off. It actually doesn't start in where... So the entire movie takes place in Georgetown in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. But before we even get to Georgetown, the prologue to this film takes place in Iraq. So wait, why didn't me saying something's grimy remind you of the Middle East? You racist. We're literally talking about this movie.
0: Yeah, but I just... I don't know. (laughs) I want to turn our audience against you. (laughs)
1: Um... One of the interesting things about this portion of the film... Remember when we roasted Exorcist 2 because of how terrible the sets were when yeah, they were supposed to be Africa? where it Africa? Was super obviously a set. <laughs> this movie is, in many ways, just a complete antithesis <laughs> to the film that we reviewed months ago. Because not only was this... this so this film was shot in a rock. It was shot and obviously, for many of our audience that are born in the late 90s. There was a time... Uh you know where we were not at war with Iraq. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, pretty much. At one point Iraq wasn't a, you know, desolate,
1: you know, wasteland of, you know, burning oil fields and gunfire. There was, however, um, these this strange relationship between the United States and Iraq. So, uh, William Friedkin wanted to shoot this fa- in the 70s. I think one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it was one of those decades where directors had all the power. Hmm. And
0: uh, yeah, no studio intervention. bunch <laughs> of suits. And
1: I'll get into, and I'll get into just how dangerous that might have been <laughs> as well. But <laughs> but Lincoln got pretty much what he wanted, and what he wanted in this case was to shoot the prologue in Iraq, just like the novel was. Um, and uh, the government of Iraq allowed him to do it, but he had to get an entirely British crew. There was no Americans uh, in his crew. Uh, When he was shooting over there.
0: I've heard a lot of stories like that. That's actually really common whenever American filmmakers go overseas. Like, I think the one that comes to mind was was the Predator. No, not the Predator, not the shitty one. But, like, actual (laughs) Predator, you know, with Mm -hmm. the Expendables essentially what would have been the 1980s version of the expendables cast. Yes. But I remember the Commando hearing, with aliens. Yeah, pretty much. Like <laughs> I remember hearing so many stories about that there was uh, the sindicato, the the filmmakers union in Mexico wouldn't let them work unless they had Mexican workers. And I don't know—is that well? Common? Tropic
1: Thunder is an entire movie that kind of pokes fun at that as well. I was about—and that's true. But I mean, is that still common practice in this day and age? Uh, no, because I think in many, in many, uh, I think most films are—they can be shot in places that they don't take place in. You know, like for example, we talk about Godzilla. Godzilla takes place in the Bay Area, but it's shot completely in Vancouver. Oh, and that bastardized I, version of the <laughs> Bay Area, and I feel like that's what—that's what we do more often now. Uh, Which I think one of the reasons why a movie like Joker is so interesting to watch is because it's actually uh, New, you know, it's Gotham like portrayed by New York City, which Mm -hmm. is actual Gotham, right? Yeah, that was always the goal, right? Yeah. Gotham. So sorry, we're just jumping off into all these different (laughs) tangents, but this is where we get introduced to uh, the wonderful actor uh, uh, who played Father Marin. Max Sydow. That took you a minute. <laughs> there was no cuts there. <laughs> Max Sydow, And he, like, you know, is going to be in another movie that we're reviewing this month. Which is uh, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And this is a guy who, interestingly enough, he feels like he's been in his mid-60s for all of his life. He's like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> it feels like they were just born old. But interestingly enough... In this film, the reason why he looks older than he was—I think he was like barely about to be forty at this time—the reason why he looks much older than he actually is is because uh, he's wearing old age makeup. Really? And uh, it doesn't
0: suck. Well, you know, that's, that's the thing. thing.
1: The, the one of the reasons why this film has endured the test of time is because uh, the makeup artist Rick Smith or Dick Smith, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Dick Smith, the makeup artist, is just legendary, in, and the effects of this film are absolutely legendary as well. So uh, basically what they did is they put some sort of uh, prosthesis on his face to where it, it would be really tight like if it was a young person's face, mm. but the more you moved in it... The wrinklier and bad gear that it got after. Oh, <laughs> so that's why it looked kind of natural. Mm. And interestingly enough, it's just one of those cases where old age makeup like actually predicted what this guy was gonna look like in the future. Because <laughs> it just so happened he looks
0: exactly the way he looked yeah. in this
1: movie. Uh, but despite the fact that he is the titular exorcist, he's barely in this movie. Yup, you watch him in the prologue. You watch him do a bunch of old people shit and like archaeologist shit. Don't see him for the next like hour and a half. <laughs> This this is a largely forgettable part of the film for me. Um, it's more vivid in the novel, and and I to, in my opinion, I it's it's nice to look at, but is it absolutely critical to the story? Eh, more eh, not really. And you know
0: what? It's really slow.
1: Yeah, it's but, like a really awkwardly planned scene. But it is creepy. Scene. Yeah, it oh is very creepy. like specifically too, where where he's like you know it's very it's like a silent film almost. There isn't any dialogue for mm-hmm. the most part. And uh, weird stuff happens, like, you know, when when the cart, like, the chariot, like, just... Almost <laughs> runs him over. Almost runs him over, and then when he looks, it's, like, a woman who has, like, you know, who who only has one eye and is, like, and is making faces at him and stuff like that, right? Not to mention
0: there's also that really, like, weird sex statue of Pazuzu. Yeah. Where, I don't know, it's just, like, it's one of those things where there's not much going on as far as, like, you know, storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a lot of, like, it's a it's a collection of images that's just there to creep you out.
1: Well, I think what it also does, too, is it makes you realize that you're dealing with an ancient evil. And this film does not say the word Pazuzu. The novel says it uh, in certain places, but the the overuse of the of the word pazuzu comes from the second film in the Yeah, series. and that's why we we are <laughs> overusing the word pazuzu. Yes. <laughs> um, so from there we jump into Georgetown. Which Where is Georgetown anyway? It's in DC. Is it like a neighborhood in DC? Well, Georgetown University is the campus and it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a section of DC.
0: I, I mean, obviously you're talking to someone that you know, has very little travel experience. yeah, in business. I mean, like, it's, it's not place. like I
1: have a ton. The closest I've ever been to d c is Alexandria, so, oh, yeah, I know where that is.
0: I uh, summer there. <laughs> well,
1: Alexandria is just outside of d c in Virginia.
0: That's like two more places than I've ever
1: been <laughs> in my life. <clears throat> okay, but <laughs> the point is, uh, this yeah, it's 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 DC in the '70s. Uh, the reason why they're in Georgetown is because uh, one of the main characters, Chris McNeil, who is played by Ellen Burstyn, is an actress who is uh, shooting a film on Georgetown's campus. And uh, you know she is renting this home, and there are caretakers that they have in this house. Before we get to the house, I do want to talk about that
0: scene where she's actually on set, right? That really foreboding scene where, like, she's supposed... I don't know what she's supposed to be in this movie, but there's, like, a bunch of protesters outside the campus, and I don't know what they're protesting. Vietnam? I don't, I don't know. It could have been, yeah, could Vietnam, right?
1: Protesting... Like, this was the same decade as the Kent State uh, massacre, right? Which which is also when we did Watchmen. Yeah. It was in the opening credits at Watchmen, so...
0: So... <laughs> freaking chris's character has to she just like rips the the megaphone from one of the extras hands and just starts screaming about how you know what about the people trying to get an education stop blocking their way go make noise somewhere else and i was like okay boomer
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's you know it's 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 just an introduction to kind of show you who she is and
0: but what this does serve, which is really cool, is that we actually get a really cool shot of everyone's favorite Greek-Italian, Father... Ah, oh, crap, what was his name?
1: I think, yeah, I think he's he actually Greek. Father, uh, Father Karras. Dam- Father Damien Karras. Nah, he was Italian. A character who, by the way, when we did Exorcist 2, is completely left out of the film. Yep, even though he's the hero of this <laughs> movie. Um, <clears throat> it's funny because, to me, it's like... I don't know if it's just because it's also from the 70s, but I guess so much, like rocky vibes from him like <laughs> rocky he's a boxer one
0: rocky? <laughs> there's that scene where he's like running around the track dressed like rocky like he is essentially catholic rocky this film is like quintessential
1: 70s and uh, even the... though he's greek he sounds super italian yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um so yeah he's essentially the other main character besides chris in this film uh, who you know? He's dealing with issues of faith, where he's not sure of his faith yet. Yeah. He is not only a priest, but he's also a psychiatrist who's supposed to be. Uh, you know, so is bear- he like a
0: psychiatrist for the priests? Yes. Or oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's why the scene where he talks to Chris McNeil later is when he says it's the other way around. He was a priest, and they sent him to medical school.
0: Well, if I had to hear about priests diddling kids for
1: (laughs) a decade, but in the the novel specifically, I think a lot of the stuff that he deals with is guilt. Uh, Mm. In the novel, he even talks about issues of like sex or or just like you know just simple issues that you would imagine priests have. Like he said he doesn't have problems with that, that in the in that where he struggles the most is particularly with uh issues of faith. Okay. So but anyway, moving <laughs> moving off of that, uh before we even get to the film the the film set, there's the initial scratches that she hears in the attic. Oh, oh you mean the rots that our <laughs> yeah. Nazi Butler keeps <laughs> saying that there's no rats. Yeah. But, you know, that's just to kind of set up that this is where, this is how it's starting. Um, after she leaves the campus and she decides to walk home, that's where we get the only, maybe one of two times that we actually hear Tubular Bells.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is
1: essentially now known as the theme song to The Exorcist, despite the fact that it's just not in the film very much. I know, not at all, yeah. <clears throat> but it is a creepy scene, I think, like, listening to that music while she's walking through, like, the windy fall streets... Of Georgetown, which just looks old, right? Like, that's the thing. Everything like, is very, like, a brick building. Yes. Just stone and mortar. <laughs> yes, and that's why, like, when I did go to Alexandria, like, again, I'm a West Coast guy. I, have, I had, before I worked where I currently work now, I never really traveled to the East Coast, period. We weren't like you cop-it-baggers. <clears throat> <carpet> Everything <laughs> we had was built by wood, <laughs> which went up in the Great Fire of 1906. And, you know, it, every, it, uh, Mark... Most of the architecture in the Bay Area, or just in California in general, is a lot more modern because there weren't people out here. Like There weren't buildings out here for a very long time. I was about to say, uh... (laughs) there was always people out here. Buildings is what I meant to say. But, um, yeah, when I went to Alexandria, the streets were a lot more narrow. The buildings were a lot... Tighter and closer together, and it was brick everywhere. Just yeah, and, and just that is exact. And I swear to God, it was like nine o'clock p.m. that night. And I was riding in the cab, and all I could just picture was this scene from this movie. And I was just like, <laughs> "This is fucking creepy." You're like I'm in a cab. There's like a Greek guy yelling invectives at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a really awesome scene. I love the visuals in this film. And uh, from there, we get introduced to Reagan McNeil, who was played by Linda Blair. And you know what, Chris and Reagan, they actually have a really nice relationship. Yes.
0: I remember like just based on on the second movie, right? I remember their relationship kind of was like are they even mom and like daughter? Like well, she's not in the second movie. Yeah, that's yeah. why. She's
1: always abandoning her daughter. It's why that second film feels like such a betrayal of this film mm-hmm. is because you just would never believe that Chris would leave Reagan alone, especially especially with after all the grief that she goes through in this film.
0: Yeah, after everything they go through by the end of this film, <laughs> and to like just abandon her. <laughs> this for entire review is just
1: gonna be us railing on Exorcist Two.
0: I mean. When you make a fucking pile of shit that smelly (laughs) after you watch this movie, it's pretty easy to draw those parallels.
1: The other parallel that this movie kind of draws to is Paranormal Activity that we watched, like, not that well. Paranormal Activity is obviously derivative of this, but the similarity in it, right off the bat, the whole reason, uh,
0: what's his name, Mr. Bojangles? (laughs) <laughs> no, fuck. It's Captain Howdy. There you go. Yes. So the whole reason Captain Howdy comes around is because Reagan decided she wanted to play with the uh, with the Ouija board. Yes. And you know what did Micah do, which intensified everything, was play with the stupid Ouija board. Yes.
1: And at this time, you know, this was before the Satanic Panic, so there was, I guess, people just thought Ouija boards were harmless, and for the most part, Ouija boards are harmless. It's I'm a, still not going to play with one, it's though. It's a fucking Hasbro toy. <laughs> yeah. It's not going it, to... you got to be five years old to be able to summon an apostate of Satan. I'm going to still not play with one, though. I did, and I'm here. <laughs> um, so, you know, we get introduced to Reagan. We see her little clay sculptures that she has. Um, So, which is going to be important to note later. This movie, what it does, I feel like it unfolds like a novel where it just sets a ton of things up and then you'll kind of forget about things and and then you'll be in another scene where someone will refer to something that you hadn't thought about.
0: That's a really good way of describing it. This is
1: legit what it's like when you
0: want to keep to the source material. It's like a jumping of time. Yeah, you transfer exactly the... You transcribe the fucking source material to film,
1: right? Yes, And which is why it it helps the fact that uh, the guy who wrote the script for this film is the guy who wrote the novel, Mm -hmm. right? So when you have him translating his work, his work is just presented on screen in such a fluid way. The novel is so, so similar to the film. And I think really the key differences in it is I think the novel's a little bit more... It's more vague about whether or not Reagan was actually possessed by a demon. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it, it, obviously, they they play on obviously this. Obviously, you're 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 very likely left to the idea that she, she was, but at the but same there's day, always that hint of doubt. There's always a hint of doubt, and I think that's the important thing that this movie wanted to do. And part of the reason why this movie is so good, and remembered for so you know and and considered one of the greatest horror films of all time because it doesn't really feel like it wants to be a horror film first oh yeah not at all like it will show you some of the scariest shit ever put to film for most people growing up in in our you know generation it made me drop my hot pocket (laughs) (laughs) but at the very same you know at the very same moment it just feels like a it feels like a drama about, you know, a mother and a daughter that are feeling, that are dealing with something that they don't fully understand. And it just happens to have these horrifying things in between it. And it's, it's in some ways it's kind of an ensemble too. Because even the characters that have smaller roles, they feel pretty fleshed out.
0: Mm-hmm. Like the detective. Yes. He's very much one of those kind of characters that when he comes in I actually felt very comfortable. <clears throat> and it, I was a little bit off edge. Yeah. Um, that I felt the same way with Karis. I felt when like... Karis was there, but well, Karis was more a guy that's trying to hold it together, both you know, spiritually and physically. Yes, <laughs> especially after the loss of his mother in the, mo- in the movie. That's kind of where he he kind of right. turns a corner. And I think,
1: <clears throat> and that's the funny thing too, because when you get to the loss of Karis's mother, it's not like it's a scene that you've seen. You've just seen. Cares go visit her at some point and you think she's fine yeah. after that and it's, it's funny like I didn't even know she was in New York like the first time that I watched the movie mm-hmm. like because I was much younger but like now it's like yeah it doesn't tell you it's in New York but he's obviously in 70s New York mm-hmm. and uh, so he just goes to visit her and she's obviously very much like you know Hispanic kids, Hispanic people can relate to, you know, once your parents reach a certain age, they don't want to be, you know... I mean, nobody wants to be in a nursing home, <clears throat> but, you know, they get very stubborn about the things that they can and can't do anymore. <laughs> Not
0: me. I'm going to wait to run that nursing home. I'm going to have, <laughs> you know, blackjack and hookers.
1: <laughs> but, uh, unfortunately, you know, this is a... And, and, and... Unfortunately, you know, it... it I think one of the things that Damien is guilty of is that, you know, he's not totally sure that he wanted to be a priest. And, you know, if he made more money doing something else, maybe he wouldn't be living in poverty and his mother would be able to get better medical care. Which mm-hmm. they make, like, you know, reference to. Oh, yeah, very much so. In the face of his uncle. That hospital is pretty creepy. I hate... I'm sorry. I know it's not the nicest thing in the world to say that people who are in these institutions are creepy. But this was kind of creepy. For no,
0: me. you can say that because this is the 1970s institutions, and honestly, this is when uh, healthcare treated uh, people with like mental illness, like. As if they were fucking monsters. Yes. <laughs> like yes. it was actually more monstrous what they did to the, some of these people in the mental, like yeah. mental asylums and mental wards. And like that's like when he walks up and he's trying to go talk to his mom, he gets bum rushed by like four people. I was like, I don't know why that like freaked me out. Yeah, it wasn't even that they were doing anything aggressive, you know. Yeah.
1: Again, it's just like it just feels like something bad is about to happen to everyone in this film. But you see her in the hospital where she's like regretful and she's like, "Why did you do this to me?" And then next thing you know, like you, you go a few scenes later, and you're suddenly at the party at Chris McNeil's house, mm-hmm. and that's where she's talking to the other priest, Father Dyer. Yeah, and that's where Father Dyer just like mentions, "Oh yeah, his mother passed away a few days yeah. ago." And that's the thing; it's like this movie will do thing, and this it movie, does that a lot. This movie does a fucking fantastic job of this because there's another scene that we get to later that I think is is just it makes this movie the fact that this is never shown and it's only told by other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're downstairs, that's uh, you know they they're at the party. There's oh no, cer- there's that part where they all start like singing show tunes. Oh no! First of all, before we get to that,
0: I want to bring attention to the lovely director who, for some reason, has a heart on against the German uh, <laughs> butler the entire time. Yes. he's just calling him a Nazi. <laughs> The whole time, be like, "Oh, so how was Doctor Goebbels back in Nuremberg?" And he's like, "I'm, I'm Swedish."
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh no, he says, "I'm Swiss." He like yells at him, "I'm Swiss." Well, you know, the thing with Burke is that Burke is just a drunk guy that antagonizes everyone that he ever goes around. He is vulgar in the way that he talks. Yeah, it's just he is super vulgar. The movies, for some reason, make some sort of uh, kind of I don't know. Some it it, it makes a uh, and Chris has a thing for him. That's what the movie kind of says, but not really. Yeah, because that's <clears throat> there's that part
0: where Reagan's like, "Oh, we can all hang out, and you can invite Mr. Burke." And she's like, "What?" Yeah. And he's like, "You like him, and he likes you." And I remember when she said that, I'm like, "Oh, he might be a nice guy." And then I forget Burke was the director, and then I
1: was like, "Oh, he's he trash trash." <laughs> well, that's the thing too. I don't even think that she really likes him like that. It's more maybe just kind of a career move, is what you mm, kind of think a little bit, yeah, right. Uh, but yes, he is. He obviously gets drunk off his ass and offends everyone at the at the party, and uh, is essentially taken home on a cab at some point after. her. <laughs> But uh, once he's gone, that's where they're at the piano playing shows. And then you see that priest that <laughs> and super, a super... first of all, that super flamboyant priest. You know what's really funny about that is the guy who plays Father Dyer in this film is an actual priest. Are you serious? Yeah, like he is not a he is not a professionally trained actor. Was
0: it Father Dyer that was
1: playing the, the yep. piano? Yeah. So he actually knows how to play the piano. Yes, he was brought on as a consultant on the film, and just so uh, happened he got a part. Yeah, and happens to know Blatty. So Blatty knows a lot of the priests that are in this film because he was a student at Georgetown. Oh. And he got the idea to write this film when he was attending Georgetown. Gotcha, gotcha. This, this movie is essentially based on an exorcism that took place in Baltimore uh, like a decade or so.
0: So uh, you're two telling before. me this is based on a true story
1: uh, you know based yeah. on a uh, based on a true story like texas chainsaw is based on a true, st- true story <laughs> like in the, this was based
0: on a true story in that there was a priest in baltimore <laughs> 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 everything else um, everything else was a lovely sweet mystery but anyway back to show teams <laughs> yeah
1: But the reason why I just, like, kind of laughed and giggled when I saw this is because, you know, we recently watched Scary Movie 2. (laughs) (laughs) Shake your ass. Watch yourself. (laughs) Which is the beginning. Yeah, they do where they're, like, singing mystical instead. And then, you know, then you get Reagan that comes down and Reagan looks at the guy who's apparently an astronaut who is the guy who's standing in front of the door. Yeah, fucking Buzz Aldrin, and motherfucker. She, and she stares at the astronaut and she tells him, you're going to die up there. And that's when he uh, ends up... Well, that's when she ends up peeing herself. The astronaut doesn't piss himself. Oh, you know what? That would have been super rad if he's like, this is why I will always have my astronaut pants. But interestingly enough, that astronaut character apparently uh, is the focus of another Blatty book at some point later called The Ninth Configuration. Where uh, that
0: sounds foreboding. <laughs> well,
1: it's weird because it's apparently, about Satan in space. No, but it's like a it's like a book where it's like about a guy in space and uh, or like an astronaut in at the end, apparently. Uh, it kind of leaves it open-ended as to whether or not he actually went to space or if he was in a mental institution the entire time.
0: Because he was fucking attacked by Pazuzu. <laughs> and <laughs> like driven guys, mad. So,
1: you, you know, just Reagan just gives him the, you're going to die up there. Uh, you're
0: all going to die up there. There
1: is a There is a theory on this film that has never been corroborated by anyone who's ever made the film. But I love watching his videos on YouTube. Uh, his name is Rob Ager, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's coed coed learning is mm-hmm. what it's called. Uh, he does a an awesome video series on you know different horror films, and he does a few on The Exorcist. And in one of them, he has kind of like in terms like he takes evidence uh, in terms of like scenes and dialogue from the film and posits a theory on what. On, on what the demon in The Exorcist could be a uh, representation of. Like thematically?
0: or yes. Oh, okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So. Uh,
1: <clears throat> um, because so, I'm like, the demon represents d-
0: demons. Yeah.
1: No, but, you know, once, once we get past this scene, Chris takes uh, Regan upstairs. He puts her in the bath. And then there's this section of this film where you're just watching her go through like these awful medical procedures.
0: And meanwhile, Reagan is becoming more erratic. Her behaviors all over the place. She becomes aggressive. She, for some reason, she's strong as a motherfucker and yeah. just starts like throwing and punching and slapping people around and swearing like a sailor. And it's like and all the while, like Chris has no idea what she's going or what she's doing, so the only thing she can do is take her this Fucking terrifying hospital where they just do invasive procedure after invasive procedure, including, like, that live fucking blood draw where they, like... Yes. they Okay. Yeah.
1: So I'm gonna say a long word that I may be pronouncing completely wrong. Okay, it's pneumocybin.
0: Cefalography, pneumoencephalography Oh on wait! I, oh, I was about to be a doctor. Pneumoencephalography, en- yes, cephalography
1: and Enf- pneumoencephalography. So essentially, what they do, they shove a
0: needle up her nose. No, I'm just they,
1: so they, they, yeah, they they put an injection in her throat, but it's essentially like shooting dye into your into your head. Yep, so that they can like take an X ray of this. Now. Thankfully for all of us, this is a procedure that, thanks to CT scans... And, like, modern technology and MRIs and stuff like that. We don't do this anymore. Well, you also got to remember, this is medicine in the 70s. Exactly. 40 years
0: before this, people were prescribing cocaine for your vagina ghosts. Okay?
1: <laughs> like. But, you know, there was uh, the, when this movie did come out in the 70s, there was a lot of people who were fainting in theaters and who were leaving the film early and were just like... It just became a sensational news story that people couldn't take the entire film. And a lot of people... The scene that got them that they were not able to handle was this.
0: Really, it wasn't the you know fucking shoving
1: it's, a crucifix. To this day, it's the thing that freaks me out the most. It is creepy. Yeah, I'm I'm already someone who hates needles more than anything. I recently got my blood drawn, and it's I even though you know for the most part you'll be fine, it's one of the most frightening things on earth for me, and I can't even look at it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I'm forced to watch like this scene. It's horrifying. You know that she's in pain. You wonder why there's no, like, kind of, like, pain reliever that they could have given her. Because apparently this is a procedure that was very painful. And uh, and that had lingering side effects. Like, people who would have it would just have ridiculous headaches, like, after the fact as well. God damn, I'm glad
0: I grew up with modern medicine. <laughs> but
1: it's, it, you know, it's just, it's... Almost to the point where you're, you know, even though you're watching the things that are happening to Reagan, meaning her bed is shaking, you see the scene where she is, like, you know, being pulled up and down on the bed, it's almost just as frightening to watch some of these medical procedures that are being done to her.
0: And what's terrifying, I think one of the most terrifying things about this, and if you have family members that have suffered from any uh, chronic illness or long-term illness or even terminal illness, there's nothing worse than the feeling of going to a doctor after a series of, sh- like, a fuck ton of invasive tests and being told there is no
1: medical explanation why your family's going through this. More than anything, I think something that people can relate to is just going to the doctor, knowing that there's something wrong with you, and the doctor can't figure out what it is. Right? Like, that is absolutely it's difficult dumb dildos they should have just got house <laughs> house like, man will fa- answer this like I got I like uh, you know recently in my personal life someone very close to me has had that situation where they where they were you know dealing with something that uh, that we didn't know if it was serious or not and uh, and they went to a doctor and the doctor made them take tests and stuff like that and it, it just it's there's something scary about that and it's difficult to deal with and Ellen Burstyn's character... Uh, Chris McNeil just wears that as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, you, when you see her... You get this... Like, you feel how she's feeling... Just by the way that she acts. And you can tell that it's something that's just wearing her down. And you feel like... Even though, obviously, you're watching a movie... And mm-hmm. the time jump... Like, you don't know how long... You don't know what kind of time frame this is all taking place in front mm-hmm. of. But just the way that she acts gives you it gives you an impression that it's been happening for months. And mind you, Chris
0: has seen not just Reagan's like demeanor change. She's actually seen some paranormal shit happen. Yes. By this point, one of the scenes that ha- takes place during the whole battery of test scene uh, or you know interspersed in between all that is when Reagan's bed starts shaking violently in the middle of the night. And Chris, like, runs into her room and jumps on the bed to try to calm Reagan down. I don't know why that's so scary, but
1: it is. That, like, just the shaking of beds? Yeah, like, just the, just how matter-of-fact it was shot. Like, how, like, it's just, it, like, it doesn't give you anything, like, special about it. You're just seeing, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's just a shaking... Like, she described it as a shaking bed... And then all of a sudden you see it and you're like, fuck, that's really a shaking bed. Like, that is an actual <laughs> shaking bed. Yeah, well, cause... I mean,
0: it terrifies us because as Californians, we have an innate fear
1: against our natural enemy, the earthquake. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, it really is something that just, it's shot so matter-of-factly and so realistically in quotations it, that that it does, it freaks you out Yeah. to see it. It makes you very uncomfortable because you know that there
0: is no, there is no human physical answer for why that's going on Mm -hmm. and then for Chris to be dismissed by the doctor yes and being like well maybe you're going crazy too bitch you know (laughs) like
1: even to the point that they could even be implying that maybe she's doing drugs or that maybe it's drugs that are causing it you know those rich actor types with all their morphine and cocaine yeah um you believe that she goes through all of these tests, obviously, because she is an actress who makes a lot of money, so you know that they have the disposable income to go through the entire battery of tests that they all need to go through. Um, Mac- Chris is someone who's divorced, but Reagan's father is never seen in this film. He's only spoken about.
0: Oh, apparently he's deadbeat dad. Yeah. <laughs> Went out to get cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but you get the impression he's an asshole because they didn't call on her birthday. Um... But uh, all of that kind of leads into what I think is really one of the creepiest parts of the film that's never shown to you. And that is the death of Burke Dennings. Oh my God. and it's crazy
0: because one because
1: of it happens right after the scene where she's talking to the doctor. You're
0: following Chris the entire time, so you're you're learning things as Chris learns it because essentially like we're watching it through her perspective for the I would say majority of the film, right? Yes. So all when Chris drives by, she just sees all this hullabaloo, a bunch of sirens, a bunch of people like, you know, just crowded around this thing. But she drives by it the same way that you would drive by a car accident on the side of the road. Yeah, like very matter of factly, not really thinking about what's going on. And then she goes inside and I think... It, what was her friend's name? Like
1: the, Sharon. the assistant? Sharon is the assistant and she's also the caretaker for Regan in part two. That's right. Yeah. She's her babysitter. <laughs>
0: so she's like talking to Sharon. Sharon? Yeah, Sharon, Yeah, right? Sharon. So she's like talking... Uh, she's talking to, to Sharon about what was going on. And then... Burke Dennings is supposed to be babysitting Reagan at this time and then um, who was it that I think the the lieutenant right the the detective comes
1: no, in no 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 it's another guy who I think was on the set with them at some point oh um, he okay. comes to the front door and then he uh, asks Chris if she heard what happened and well Chris comes home and the house is alone right yeah And super uh, creepy by the way. yeah <laughs> and then she goes into Reagan's room and the window's wide open and it's just and it's freezing in there. Like you see her breath and all that kind of stuff, which is an effect that they got because they completely refrigerated that entire set. So what, like forty degrees yes. or yes. some shit like that? Yes. Almost giving people hypothermia? <laughs> right. So it's like uh so so the window's wide open, uh she covers Reagan up and she's just furious because she's wondering where Sharon went. And uh, Sharon comes in and Chris gets very angry at her, wondering where, you know, where she's been and why she left her alone. And Sharon was like, well, I had to go get the medicine, so I left her here alone with Burke. hmm And, uh, you know, Chris is obviously mad about it because Burke is a bit of a drunk and can't really be trusted. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> that's when uh, this other character comes to the front door, rings the doorbell, asks her if she knows what happened. And that's where Chris, uh, Chris uh, you know, says that she, reveals that she does not. And that's where she said that Burke is dead. And then mm-hmm. saying that he slipped on the steps that are right outside, fell all the way down, breaking his neck. Now, in the two thousand re-release version of it, right after she learns this, is when the spider walks.
0: Yeah, happens. I saw. I, I went back and watched the video last night, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing that. And there was two takes. I saw. Yes, I saw one take where where Reagan chased Sharon to the door. Yep. And try to, like, attack her. And yeah. Chris, like, wrestles her to the ground. And I saw a weird one where Reagan does the spider walk down towards the camera. And then she, like, screams and blood falls out of her yeah, mouth. Yeah, that's that's the one that's in the re-release. Both of them are lame. <laughs> <laughs> Both that's, of them are lame! That's the one
1: that's in the re-release. And then the, the one that was unused is the take where she crawls down and attacks Sharon. I would have preferred... Honestly, between those two, I would have preferred All that right. one. Now, this film... Interestingly enough, so in this in this in the novel, uh, the spider walk happens at this same point in time, and Reagan attacks Sharon, and that's the reason why later in the film you see Reagan uh, that where she has to be strapped down. Yeah. Okay. It's particularly per- because she attacked Sharon in this moment.
0: Okay, I thought she was strapped down because of the following scene where she diddles
1: herself with the with the crucifix. <laughs> yes. No. No, uh, but anyway, uh, so th- again, the you see that the death of Dennings has happened, but it's not being shown to you. You never see his dead body. People just talk about it, and then the next scene, that's where you see Karis running at the track, and uh, Kinderman shows up, and that's where Kinderman describes to Karis what happened. Yeah. Saying that he thinks that some large... <laughs> Pro-wrestling sized occultist Threw him down the stairs Because apparently When he was He His head was turned Completely around Essentially 180 When he got shoved down the stairs And that it's something That only someone With great force Would be able to do To him
0: Yep And some big motherfucker
1: (laughs) Yeah And you know At the same time That this is happening There's that weird scene Where you cut to the church And you see the priest Going to put the flowers near the altar. And that's where he sees the Virgin Mary statue. That's got like those giant breasts. And like a dick. Like in, made out of clay. That are placed on her. It's like really bizarre. And I, <laughs> Maybe
0: I wasn't paying attention too much. But... I beg your pardon.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need to go back and watch that because it's it's one of those things that's weird because of how creepy it is. And you even after it's shown to you, you're like, wait a minute, did I just fucking see what I thought I saw? That's some fucking weird-ass imagery, dude. <laughs> that's some really fucked-up shit happening. <laughs> I don't know who came up with
0: this, but you need Jesus.
1: <laughs> um, so the uh, the YouTube series that I was talking about by this guy, Rob Ager, uh, the theory that he posits in this is that the one of the darker... On most, uh, you know, not more obviously talked about themes in The Exorcist could be that there's a possibility that uh, Burke Dennings molested Reagan. Mm. And
0: uh, you know what? That fucking like Woody Allen looking motherfucker
1: <laughs> wouldn't put it past him. And what his th- and the and what he talks about in, uh, in his theory of this film is that uh, is, it's interesting to note. That after the death of Burke Dennings, that's where Reagan's face starts to get more monstrous. Interesting. Uh, Basically telling you that, you know, that 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 all the stuff that is all the abuse that she has undergone by the doctors, potentially her father, and whatever happened between Burke Dennings and her. It's finally come to the surface. Exactly. Mm. So so again, just something to think about. It's obviously not an overarching theme of the film or anything, yeah. but it's interesting.
0: It's just a nice fan theory to think about, yeah. watching it with that lens.
1: Now, there is a scene... We're going to get to the lick me scene? No, no, no. Aww. To me, this is the creepiest part of The Exorcist, and it's never discussed. hmm And that is when Kinderman is sitting in his car, and he looks up at the window in Reagan's room, and the lights are on... And you see the shadow of someone floating by in that dark curtain. In, like, the curtain, right? You see the curtain and Mm -hmm. you see a dark figure floating by the curtain. Now, the reason why that is creepy is because by the point in time in the film that that's happening, that's when Reagan is strapped down.
0: Oh, that's right. Right. So what it's like, is it supposed to be Reagan? Is it Pazuzu?
1: Again. Creepy. Creepy because there's a lot of stuff in this film that's creepy because it doesn't draw a ton of attention to itself. And they never explain it.
0: Yes. And there's nothing creepier than something that just is. And you yes. can't explain it. Right.
1: And uh, then you get the yes. Now we get to this crucifix masturbation <laughs> scene, which takes place after uh, Chris has a discussion with uh, Kinderman. This and yeah. Kinderman describes to her exactly what happened and, and where he you know he obviously doesn't think it's Reagan because Reagan's a child and whatever was done. Why to would him. a child ever do this? Yeah, and uh, you know to him he, he 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 thinks that Reagan might just know who it mm-hmm. was. Right? Like that's the only thing. But meanwhile Reagan's obviously sick. Yep. So we can't so he can't interview her. But you know, again, he's a guy who likes movies. He's a fan of Chris. Mm-hmm. So he kind of like, you know, softball questions her a little bit and you know that he's gonna just continue to keep an eye on her.
0: Yep. Meanwhile, this whole time, uh Chris has moved on from medical examinations to taking Reagan to psychiatrists. Yes. And, again, she gets the same thing. So, you know, there is no chemical imbalance. Maybe she just has multiple personality disorder. And that she has all these, like, all these possible illnesses, diagnoses, and disorders, but none of it is actually helping because Chris knows it's more than just schizophrenia. She knows it's more than just your run-of-the-mill mental health illness, like, going on. She knows that this is something a lot darker, and well, something she a lot. Knows, of, she
1: knows that it, she, in her mind, she knows that it's something, mm-hmm. and the part that, that that just like makes her lose it is when the medical professional... she brings them over to the house. Well, yes, they, I'm sorry they,
0: about, i I just wanted to get to the scene that inspired <laughs> every. Uh, Slipknot and Marilyn Manson lyrics, but yeah, you know, there's that part where she invites like the psychiatrists over and they like hypnotize. They try to hypnotize Reagan, right? And they try to draw the entity out, much like in Exorcist Two, where they use that stupid blinking machine.
1: Yes, except this is actually something that takes place in our actual reality
0: and is actual, you know, science ish. <laughs> yeah. But they, you know, they try to force this entity out. And then she starts getting aggressive and Reagan beats the shit out of these guys. Well, she grabs a guy by
1: his nuts and the just fucking like, nerd. slams him to the ground by his nuts. She's just fucking like...
0: It's like a choke slam, but by his nords. <laughs> yeah, and just...
1: She, she just nut slams into the ground. And then
0: like... And that's when she starts saying... Is that when she says, your mother sucks cocks in hell? No, that's later. Oh, uh, okay. No. But that's when she But starts, that's
1: just where you hear... That's just where you hear the, uh, the demon voice for the first time. And that's when she starts saying, like me, like me. No, that's... That is later. That no! Is the, that is Shut the crucifix up. masturbation scene that comes after that. The crucifix masturbation scene. She says scene.
0: something in that scene that made me laugh.
1: No, I think she just makes animal noises. And she just, like, you just hear her grunt in that demon snarl.
0: Man, fine. All the funny
1: lines are later. later. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, that's when you get the scene of Kenderman and, and Chris. And after that scene, when Kenderman leaves... That's when all the stuff is just flying through Reagan's room. That's right. Chris goes upstairs. Ooh, this seems fucking great. And she sees Reagan. Ma- it's, in the book, it's masturbating. In the movie, it looks like she's stabbing her vagina with that cross. Let Jesus fuck you. <laughs> Let Jesus fuck you. And that's when she says, lick me to her mother. And then she rubs like her blood all over the mom's face. I was like, ew. And then smacks her in the face. Knocks her down. And this was apparently done with a harness where they yanked, uh, where they yanked Ellen Burstyn, and apparently gave her back problems for life. And the harnesses that they no. used in this film also gave Linda Blair back problems for life.
0: There's that scene where she's like slamming up and down. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in Exorcist mm-hmm. too, where she's slamming up and down at like a weird 90 degree angle, and apparently she was yelling, "Stop! Stop! Yes. Please stop!" And the dumbass fucking stunt team thought that she was just acting really well yeah. and not thinking that they were realigning her vertebrae in unnatural positions.
1: But, but yeah. yeah, she gets dropped to the floor and then the cabinet like covers the door, and that's when you see for the first time Reagan turning her head backwards. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know you hear Burke Denning's voice and he says, Do you know what she you did, your cunting daughter? Now, when I was a kid. I just thought this was creepy. I thought this was scary as all hell. Yeah. And I thought that it, this was the demon making itself like known that, oh, well, I'm a demon and I'm here now. Like, ha ha, what's up, bitch? As an adult, yeah. I've discovered now that that this was essentially an admission to guilt of the fact that Reagan is the one who killed Burke. Dennis.
0: Chances are, possessed Reagan snapped his neck, turned his head all the way around, which as we know, she has super strength yes. because she's a superhero now. And she, like, must have thrown him out the window. Uh, Because, as we know, later on, uh, Father Karras jumps out the same window and lands on the same stairs where... uh, What's-his-name died? Uh, Burke. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Pretty much, it's an admission to guilt. Yes. And it also plays with the fact that, you know, uh, at one point... Reagan says all of us are in here. And, you know, she even speaks in uh, Karis's mother's voice. Yeah. But like, that's really, the thing. It's
1: like, this scene is where is where it's it now. You're not dealing with doctors anymore. Now, Chris... Uh, we know it's demons. Yes. Chris, immediately
0: she goes and gets uh, Karis. Or she sets up an
1: uh Well, she thinks in- it's Karis. a demon, right? And that's when she goes to Karis. And despite the fact that she's not religious at all. She's mainly an agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes to Father Karis. And uh, you know, asked him about getting an exorcism. And again, people need to know. Listening to this episode and watching this film with modern eyes, the idea of exorcisms were really like something that people didn't even think about. Like See? this movie is one of those things that changed pop culture and kind of changed our social, just our social world forever in that after this more people believed in demonic possession than than you would have imagined before then. This
0: is when talking in tongues and you know, our whole obsession with the occult and yeah. demons really just as like as a cultural like zeitgeist just fucking shot through the roof. Because finally this stuff has been brought to the forefront. Like no one really talked about exorcism, at
1: least not in the like the the ritualistic sense, well, it's like the doctor said, the doctor said that for the Catholic Church, this was kind of a dirty little secret mm-hmm. that they kind of maybe still did every once in a while, but for the most part, was considered a a uh, what? How do I put it? Like an ancient, you know?
0: It's yeah, it's frowned upon, right? right? It's
1: it it like to to the doctors, it's almost like putting leeches on people. Like it's just something that was archaic and that or does...
0: prescribing cocaine for the murmurs. <laughs>
1: But but she you know obviously she has tried she's exhausted all these other options in the medical field mm -hmm. so she's going to this priest the priest isn't sure exactly what to think and that's when she is and that's when uh, you know he is brought to Reagan for the very first time
0: and I love that Karis like pretty much Karis has to do like an initial investigation. And pretty much it's his judgment call to go back to the Vatican. Well, not the Vatican, but go back to the church and be like, you know, I think we need an exorcism, right? Mm -hmm. So he goes in with a very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Skeptic. He goes in as a skeptic. Yeah. He doesn't go in
1: thinking. Which makes sense because his character is dealing with his own fate the entire movie.
0: Yep. And the whole thing is like he interviews Reagan with this way like with this mentality of trying to catch her in a lie. Mm -hmm. Including the part where she um or where you know where she mentions something about his dead mother Mm -hmm. and you know, he calls her out on it. Like instead of getting mad and letting it rattle him. He's like, oh well, if you know my mother, what's her maiden name then? And like, you know, starts like really, really uh, testing the demon. Yes. And the demon can't answer.
1: Right. Because again, he tells Chris that you know I don't know if I'm going to be able to get an exorcism because there's all these different criteria that I have to meet if I'm mm going to do that, and I have to. Essentially, it's an investigation. And uh, he's not... T- even though it does sound like, hey, this is definitely weird. He seems like a guy who, again, obviously is a psychiatrist. Has dealt with people with mental health issues. Dealt mm-hmm. with people with just mental issues, period. So he's probably just seen a wide range of different uh, things. So his first, so his first uh, thought isn't going to go to something mystical or religious.
0: What this reminds me of... Well, sp- actually, it's the other way around. What this inspired if you've ever seen the last exorcism that found that shitty found footage movie from the odds, um, you know, it was, uh, one of the things that they did really well is that the, that the, I don't know what he is, a preacher, the minister in that movie, the guy that does the, the exorcists. he is, he's a skeptic. Same thing. A lot like Karis has lost his faith in, in the church and whatnot. But he he goes in that same film doing the same thing, like, goes in as a skeptic. And, you know, they lift something very similar where he talks to Nell, the demon, and, you know, she says, don't you want, a, like, a blowing job or something like that? And he, like, calls her out and is like, well, if you're a demon, wouldn't you know it's actually, the word is actually blowjob, you know? And I just thought it was a really interesting um, trope. I guess. Just kind of the fact that they had to go with the investigation. You got these holy men that aren't gung-ho
1: on exorcisms. Like, they know the weight of an exorcism. <laughs> okay, so this is the part of the film where we get to talk about the, psychi- the, the psychotic director, William Friedkin. Because in order to get uh, real frightened faces from his actors... The guy brought guns onto the set <laughs> and would shoot guns off. That's right! He would shoot guns off on the set. Wouldn't he play, like, African drums to make people panic, too? Yeah, like well, yeah, he played all sorts of crazy sounds. Or, like, animals
0: shoot. being murdered and shit to, like, yeah.
1: scare people. Um, the other thing he would do as well is, uh... God, I can't remember now, but but yeah, it's like he he would he would essentially threaten them. And the actress who did the voice for Reagan, Mercedes McCambridge, mm-hmm. who was an actor from, you know, several earlier decades, but was mainly doing obviously only did voiceover for this film. Uh, the reason the way that they got her to do this is they they made her drink uh, they made her smoke a ton of cigarettes. She was an actress who was in recovery. So she said that to do so to do this role, he essentially had her get off the wagon. Oh my god. And apparently she said she was there with her priest the entire time because she said she was gonna be like essentially like driven right back into alcoholism for a while. Holy fucking
0: shit. That is yeah.
1: crazy. And the way that they got the sounds of Reagan from the exorcism, like of her just sounded like she was uh you know, like she was grunting and all that kind of stuff, mm. was because they would actually tie her to a chair and kind of slap her and tape her mouth shut. <laughs> oh my
0: god! <laughs> this guy is fucking crazy, dude! Again.
1: There's a reason why a majority of the cast did not want to return for part two.
0: Oh, I do not blame them. <laughs> I'm actually... The, the, I'm surprised Little Blair returned!
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So it's just, again... This is a uh, but it at least to a, to the effect that it worked in the film. It is it's one of those things that's kind of perfect, right? Because it really does come across on screen, the terror in their eyes and just the overall realism of it, despite the fact that you're dealing with a situation that's a bit ridiculous, right?
0: Oh god, that is this is freaking insane. Sorry, I just I went onto the IMDb fact page, and I guess they fed uh, what was her name? The woman that We're did something. Residents Cambridge, raw,
1: raw eggs. Yeah, like the raw
0: yeah. eggs and shit. I was just reading all that, and yeah, oh,
1: god, that, again, all these things that now you would probably just do with like CGI and voice recording, like equipment and stuff like that. They they opted for as much realism as they could get. And you can never make this movie today. Oh, fuck no, you can't get away with this shit. This but is, it's great that it exists. It puts people in danger. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, the, it is almost criminal how little regard he had
1: for his actors. Uh, but, you know, from here, they, we eventually do reach the point where, uh, you know, where, where Karis and, and Chris are sitting downstairs and... And he, like, is pretty honest with her. He goes, I don't know if this is possession. He goes, she's speaking English. She's obviously speaking English backwards. Which, by the way, the scenes of Karis uh, in his apartment. like Doing his CSI investigation. Listening to those creepy, like, voice recordings, like, at midnight or something. And he's just sitting there with, like, a fucking a cigarette. Yeah, just,
0: like, smoking a cigarette with a glass of scotch. And he's like, eh. Yeah, I was like, okay, I fucking see you, Rocky. <laughs>
1: um yeah so he, he but you know when he tells Chris that he doesn't really know, that's where Chris essentially has a moment where she resigns and she just says he killed she killed Burke Dennings and that yeah, is and she's with, accepted it and and obviously because he had the conversation with Kinderman from earlier and knows about the dirt the Burke Dennings case at all, mm-hmm. that's when he finally does go to the archbishop and 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 request that they get a uh, exorcism
0: done. And the archbishop sends the word to the Vatican and the Vatican decides to get our hero from the beginning. Father Marin, the he most experienced Exorcist.
1: He reappears like when there's fifteen minutes left in the film.
0: <laughs> yep. And this entire time he is just like built up like to be this just holy badass yes. That's gonna fucking come in and He's gonna be like the priest from that uh, Peter Jackson movie *Brain Dead*, where he's like, "I <laughs> kick ass for the Lord."
1: Yeah, but he does show up. He—it's good that Karis has a uh, a older priest that can kind of, you know, that can kind of uh, not control him, but can, I need an old priest and a young <laughs> priest, just that, that can kind of guide him because his faith is obviously fragile. And uh, they do want him there because there needs to be a psychiatrist present anyway. So you have this You
0: have this priest that's been pretty much glow trotting trying to find this demon. And even though he doesn't know this is Pazuzu, and even
1: though you know he it, he get, he has a feeling because as soon as he comes in, it screams Marin from the top of the stairs.
0: And I think in the backwards report or the backwards recording, they mentioned fear the priest. Yeah. In reference to Marin, so Marin is so fucking badass <laughs> that even Pazuzu is afraid of him. Yes. So this isn't somebody that that <laughs> d- has no experience doing this, right? So right off. You know, Reagan starts doing The lovely Oh no wait, she pukes uh,
1: earlier Yeah, she puked <laughs> yeah, earlier, she <laughs> puked earlier. Um, they, This is another <laughs> thing that they that they Set up with with. Uh, Sorry, I was Marin when it. he shows up Is uh, that he Has heart problems That's, and that's right. Why he's taking his nitroglycerin pills. <laughs> Oh no
0: We find out he doesn't have heart problems <laughs> In the stupid Second movie Yeah <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I was confusing it with the Scary Movie Two, where uh, James <laughs> Woods and Andy Richter are throwing up on each other. Very well. But at this point, this is when the demon and well, Demon Reagan is just doing anything she can to antagonize Karis, mm-hmm. uh, and she knows Karis is the one is kind of the weak link here, right? So she starts talking about his his mom. And does everything she can to try to get some sort of reaction out of him. So I think this is where we... This is where we get my favorite line. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yes. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's just like the demon is doing anything to antagonize them. And she really starts getting under under uh, Garrus' skin, right?
1: Yes, because he like speaks in his her his mother's voice as well. Yeah. Um, one of the creepier lines of dialogue the first time Karis meets Reagan, you know, uh, when Reagan said, "This is a wonderful day for an exorcism." Mm -hmm. That's where he said, you know, he asked, he's like, "You'd like that?" And she goes, "Oh, intensely." And then, uh, then when he asked why she would like that, just because it would bring us together. And then, oh, and then he says, "Oh, fucking like, foreshadowing, and then bro!" He says, and then he says to, and then he says, "Oh, to Reagan." And then he uh, says, "You and Reagan." It and goes, "No, you and us." Oh my god, dude! It's I, creepy. There's a lot of creepy stuff. And so, despite the fact that maybe the visuals of the stuff that's scary at at some point in your life won't work anymore, the the dialogue, the dialogue is well, really yeah. creepy.
0: And it's very much like playing on that whole "We are legion" for "We are many" like yes. lore from the Bible. So it's like it really makes you think: Is Pazuzu just a collection of different demons?
1: Well, that's the thing in and, the novel. In the novel, one of the things that makes you really believe that uh, Reagan could have some sort of split personality is the fact that uh, there are three different entities. That uh, that speak throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Burke Denning's like character. Actually, there's a good chunk of the film of the novel where like it switches from Burke's voice to this alien voice. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting. And also, I mean, that also
0: raises the question: is how strong this entity is? Yeah.
1: Is it actually Burke, or is
0: it just mimicking Burke's voice to fuck with people? You yeah. know. So true? then that raises the question, can it pull random ghosts and spirits? Oh, God, dude. I never thought about all this.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, um, that's
1: insane. So, you know, they end up taking a, you know, this is where you do the the power of Christ compels you. Reagan floats over the bed and they show her, like, you know, her skin snapping and that weird, like, you know, she gets that scratch across her leg out of nowhere. Yeah, out of the blue. It's pretty creepy. Um, and then
0: they do that weird shot. Where she like knocks them both back, both priests back, and even though she's strapped in supposedly, it cuts to her. Well, no,
1: the straps rip by the time she starts floating in the air.
0: Okay, well maybe then maybe this is after she floats in the air, but then it like cuts to her like doing a weird cat stretch
1: in front of the statue in the background. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I was just like in that scene, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?"
1: Um, there is a kind of intermission period, uh, between this where, uh, where Father Marin stays in the room, but Karis goes downstairs.
0: Wait, before that, at
1: what point does she do the full
0: 360?
1: It is uh it is during the the initial exorcism, so before she starts floating.
0: So when she does the full 360, right, I kept thinking a scare movie too, where she <laughs> where the the girl does the 360 head turn, and then James was just like, "Oh fuck this!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but God. essentially
1: for Karis, it is a fuck this because he has to go downstairs and kind of gather. himself Yeah,
0: but it's less because he's afraid, and more it's just he's overwhelmed and angry. Yes. Because the demon is effectively getting under his skin, and and apparently. Apparently it's illegal to punch a 13 year old girl, even if well, she is possessed. That's
1: the thing. He goes downstairs, and then that's when you get Chris, you know, that comes up and, and, and just asks him outright, Is she going to die? And then that's when Karis. That's when Caris <laughs> is, is, is like, She will when I'm done with her. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Pulls out wh- brass nooks. <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. But yeah, that's when, that's when Karis turns around to her and says, No. And then that's when he walks upstairs. And when he walks upstairs, it's. It is kind of creepy to just see a dead Father Mare in there. Just out of nowhere. Like like cartoonishly dead with his eyes open and his tongue out. And the, and then she's just like lying there seductively. like She's almost teasing him. And, and then oh it God. gets really quiet and then you hear like the like just kind of giggling sounds. Yeah. And that's when like Karis just like grabs her and starts socking her on the floor. <laughs> why I on oughta- to... <laughs> that's why he starts... To-
0: <laughs> He's like, I'll show you women's rights and last. <laughs> it just
1: starts. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my oh. God!
1: <laughs> oh,
0: Jesus! I was thinking there was was pretty... <laughs> ready.
1: <laughs> that one in the chamber.
0: No, I don't know. I just came up with that one. Like, I've heard the joke before. It's just in the context. He just starts beating the shit out of her. But yeah, so it, in many ways,
1: the exorcism doesn't actually work. It uh, fails! Yeah, it, Both it, of
0: these dudes super fail! No,
1: majestically fails. But, uh, you know, you get the scene where Karis does get his faith back because he just tells the demon, come into me and leave her alone and the demon does exactly that and then Karis gets the demon face and he looks like he's about to attack Reagan and that's when suddenly it just shifts back to him and he screams no and he throws himself out the window in that iconic him falling down the stairs scene. And
0: he and it's cool how they do that so quickly where he his skin goes pale, his eyes get milky and it looks like he's starting to develop the scars, right? And he like wrestles back control and I think it is noteworthy that the demon is only able to enter Keras after it rips off the chain, the the, the crucifix he's wearing. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the demon's able to enter, enter into him, and he's able to sacrifice himself, throwing himself out the window, dying, possessed by this demon. Mm-hmm. And as he lies down at the bottom of the stairs, the same stairs that Burke died at, I forgot what the father's name is. You're way better with names than I am. Which one? The one Mac that Clansettos? came... Uh no the one that came running to oh Dyer her. Dyer yeah. yeah Father Dyer comes over and reads him his last rites and uh, takes his final confession, um essentially putting uh putting Karis to his final rest, mm-hmm. and so the next day, you know the, the 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 well I don't know if it's the next day it's like an undetermined amount of time, but I think it's um who comes in I think it's the detective comes and sees him yes. off yes
1: right yes Kinderman comes in. While all the while uh, uh Karis is socking Damon on the ground, uh, and then that's when you know, that's when he comes in, and as he comes up the stairs, all he sees is Reagan crying. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's right, when he looks out the window and just sees like da- uh, Karis in like a pool of his own blood.
0: And then I did want to say, like, I did have a bit of a emotional release. Not I didn't cry, but like when Chris finally gets to hug and hold her daughter again and they're both sitting there crying Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's like you actually feel like it's done you know like they yes two two men died but this little girl
1: her soul's been saved and she can go back to her life but can she yeah i mean it's it's you're left to understand that, that what has happened here is 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 over. So the ending of the film actually has them, you know, now they're leaving Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is obviously, it's probably not going to finish getting made because the director is dead. Um, yep. The movie had put been put on hold for months anyway after Burke's death. And I think they're just going back to where they, I think they're from New York, so I think they're just going back to New York. And uh, that's where the film just ends with... Uh, Father Dyer getting the necklace that used to belong to Karis, and then he just walks down the streets of uh, Georgetown uh, while the Exorcist music plays. But the alternate ending from the version you've never seen is Karis's hand punches out <laughs> no, of the grave. Right? <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it's it's more or less the same, and that Dyer gets them gets the medallion, but he gives the medallion back to Reagan and he actually stops to talk to Kinderman and mm-hmm. he and Kinderman have like a bit of a kind of back and forth on movies and it ends with them going to go see a movie together yeah, and likely know. have dinner and kind of like and then <laughs> sweet sweet love <laughs> Well, I think the point of that, uh, Blatty always says, was to kind of give you the impression that everything's okay and that everything's going to be okay.
0: I'm glad they didn't. That would have been like in the thing if they would have had the
1: everything's okay. Well, that's Good the thing. job. That's <laughs> the thing. It's for, for people of almost a generation from the late 90s to about 2014, that's the version, that's the only version that was in circulation. So that's the only, you have a generation of people who that is the ending that they know from The Exorcist. Well, the
0: fucking ice cream date ending? Or yeah. movie date ending?
1: Yeah, that's
0: fucking lame.
1: <laughs> but you know, obviously, uh, Friedkin is the guy. Who, so Blatty always liked the happy ending. Friedkin, the director, is the guy who preferred the the open ended ending. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's the one I prefer as well. To me, the original theatrical cut of this movie, even though there is some neat stuff that comes with the uh, with the director's cut, with the quote unquote. Special edition, yeah. Um, it to me the the theatrical cut is the superior version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the kind of nice thing that does that this does lead into uh, with the other ending that has Dyer and Kinderman becoming friends. Is William Peter Blatty would come back and make Exorcist 3 in 1990. Mm-hmm. And Exorcist 3 is essentially a supernatural police, p- police procedural movie. I love police procedural movies. Yeah, where George C. Scott plays Kinderman. And uh, mm-hmm. it's actually really good and I recommend it for anybody who's actually interested like in in those characters. Uh, and, and it's essentially them uh, trying to f- capture a serial killer. Uh, and Powered by Pazuzu. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. And it's actually really good. Uh, I recommend it. Now, there was an Exorcist television series. I was about to say, starring
0: Fox. everyone's favorite Asian actor, Steven Yen. Yun. Yoon?
1: Yes, he was in season two. But there were two seasons? I thought it was only one. No, it was two seasons of the show. So, oh, shit. So his character was season two. But, okay, spoiler alert for The Exorcist on Fox, which was a series that only ran for two seasons. Uh, If you don't want to hear the spoiler for this, please stop listening to it momentarily for the next minute or so. So the series revolved around a character who was played by Gina Davis named Angela Rance. And uh, it it really revolved around her and her family living in Chicago. Uh, And she has two daughters and her husband. And a lot of the stuff... So there's something weird happening with her daughter where her daughter is getting possessed. There's a great scene where they play tubular bells. And they kind of do enough... To connect the, the um, kind of give you the feel of the movie mm-hmm. of the original film, it's not like the Scream series to yeah. the Scream the movies. Except the except what I do kind of like about this is that the series the reveal in the middle of the season, uh, you find out that the character of Angela Rance is uh, it's actually an anagram for Reagan McNeil, mm. and that it is like a sequel that goes into what happened to Reagan after. You know, she had grown up and it basically reveals that like Chris kind of like her career started sagging after after the events of the original film. And she essentially just kind of tr- rides the wave of popularity that she gets from exploiting Reagan's uh, exorcism. Oh, yay. Yes. <laughs> um, That's
0: interesting. I might need to check this out. but Yeah,
1: it's an alternate. It's on Hulu. If you want to watch season 1 and 2. And it's kind of like an alternate exorcist 2. Mm. Uh, that shows you what happened you know, in this next generation. But one of the neat things that they do is that they don't really reference Pazuzu. But the demon does return in the form of an older white gentleman that they kind of refer to as a salesman.
0: Remember, the older white men are always
1: the evil <laughs> people. But yeah, he's just really very sexually suggestive with the daughter that's trying to be possessed. And I'm out. And yeah, well, and in many ways, like you know, he uncomfortably touches her, like in from her face, and like just basically it's just very creepy mm-hmm. the way that he acts. And um, at some point when he and Reagan are face to face again for the first time, it's the creepy thing that is. I thought it was kind of brilliant and just great. About it was uh, so when Reagan's head turns around, Mm -hmm. that really uh, the way you know if you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective, you just see the head spinning happening. Yeah, but because Reagan is able to actually see the demon, it's not that the demon is. It's not that uh, that her daughter's head is turning in a 360 degree angle. It's that the salesman actually has his hand on her face. (laughs) And is turning her head with his hands. Oh, that's creepy. That's so good. it's it's really good. It's an awesome series. Unfortunately, it only made it two series, uh, two seasons before it got canceled. Thanks, Fox. And um and the, and there was like a few weeks ago, there was like a thing where uh, where everyone thought that the series was coming back because they had changed one of the logos, like on their Twitter website. Uh... and uh, but the show showrunner uh, sadly had to crush everyone's dream and say uh, sorry, had nothing to really do with that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's that the series
1: is not coming back. But the second season is awesome because it takes place in a completely new location, mm-hmm. and it follows uh... Glenn from No, it's not <laughs> Steven Yoon. Oh, it's uh, the guy from Harold and Kumar. Oh, John Cho? Yeah, John Cho. Oh, am I racist? No, no. Well, Steven Yoon was in Twilight Zone. Oh, that's the series he's in. John Cho was in Exorcist season two. If Steve Yoon is in this, and you're wrong, you're the racist. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to reverse this on me? Yeah, <laughs> but no. The second season is 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 uh, is really good because it revolves around his character, and he's uh, runs like a like a foster care home of demon kids. <laughs> Fuck yeah! And, but but basically, like the series is awesome. Like I actually really like it. It's sad. I'm sad that it's not here. And it's really just a great continuation for this story.
0: But if you are interested in more demons, I always recommend a show called Diableto.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Which we did recommend in our second episode ever. So
0: Apparently too much since I got backlash for
1: that. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I would like to thank you guys for joining us for this did episode. Did you like
0: it? Dumbass? What? We didn't do the trademark thing of our show. Do we like it? Oh, shit. No, nah, go ahead. Not nah, let... Li- it's fine leave it in (laughs) all
1: right do you like the exorcist i
0: like it enough no i'm just (laughs) i don't know like i do like this movie i'm not gonna lie i really did enjoy it i enjoyed like i enjoyed watching this movie with the idea of you're watching it from chris's point of view and you learn as she does Mm -hmm. and i really think it's a different way of storytelling than most movies and and how they, they you know It's one of those movies where you don't assume, you know, like, unless you're following the camera, like, the rest of the world pauses. It's like, no, things are still happening. There is action going on off screen, and it all has repercussions to what's going on on screen. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Definitely a terrifying movie. You you made me appreciate the dialogue and the script way more than I did originally. And I think it's definitely a worthwhile movie. It's a two hour movie. it's a long two hours it feels like a long two hours <laughs> but it's definitely worth it if you can get through the slow bits uh especially it takes a while to start ramping up uh and you know you will get a good payoff by the end of the film
1: mm-hmm. uh yeah I, obviously i i definitely love this film it's one of my favorites um, I'm glad that we got to get into this horror movie dialogue, just for all the reasons that I've said, right? Like, it's a film that I'm going to continue to rewatch over and over and over again. It's a film that I really enjoyed, and I'm glad that we chose it to kind of end our horror movie film festival that we've had going on for this last month.
0: Yeah, Angel and Javi's... Sh- Pants shitting express, or whatever. I don't know what to call it anymore. <laughs> I'll come up with something for next year's.
1: Uh, Pretty exciting. We're going to be jumping back into Star Wars. Yay. <laughs> you now no, we're going back into the J.J. Abrams I feel, verse. I honestly feel like I haven't done Star Wars in three months, and it's only been a month. I know. haven't done it. It's so, been a while. So we're pretty excited that next week we're going to be jumping back in with The Force Awakens as we begin kind of the just final stretch on our road to episode nine (laughs)
0: yeah pretty much it's one of those things we got we got uh yeah we got force awakens we got the last jedi we have the christmas special still to review (laughs) really you're going along with that I I guess we're reviewing the Christmas
1: special. You know, (laughs) December could end up being an all Star Wars month if we're not careful, (laughs) because we've already got two Star Wars movies lined up for December. Yeah,
0: and I really want to do Home Alone in December. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, thanks for thanks for sticking along with the ride. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed our horror movie, or you know, our foray into horror. Angel and I had a lot of fun talking about horror movies. Honestly, it's one of our low key favorite genres. And we can sit here and talk about horror movies for fucking decades and decades. You know, it's just we also don't want to be typecasted as just another, like, horror movie podcast, you know? But we
1: do also appreciate the fact that our audience has been downloading our horror movie episodes in just greater numbers than, than, you know, this has been a really successful month for us in terms of just traffic on the website.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we'll have some more... Uh, Angel and I both saw The Joker, so we might have a, a little thing about The Joker coming up soon. I still need to put my video on IG about uh, about Hereditary. Um, yeah, because that movie fucked with me, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are expanding our Halloween. I know spooky season is technically over, but there will be a little carryover for us, for, for our listeners, which we know have enjoyed horror movies anyway. Yeah, so uh, I think that about cuts it. So uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Please continue to interact with us on our social media. Please leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, Continue to download the show and continue to uh, just interact with us and let us know that you like what we're doing. So uh, talk to you guys next time. I'm Angel. And I'm Javi. Later, turds.